0: Welcome to On the Journey Conversations, sponsored by the Christian Women's Leadership Center of Women's Missionary Union. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. During the last podcast, I introduced you to Harper, a grown-up GA and teen who is committed to take the gospel to the nations. Let's hear more of Harper's story. Think about all those life experiences from child on that prepared you for this assignment. So you come back from being a journeyman, and somehow in there you got married.
1: Mm -hmm, I did. I actually met my husband through the journeyman program. So funny how God works things out. I thought that journeyman was like the death of
0: a dream to get married.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's interesting when you meet people who have the same passions as you and who've had them for a while and God has been doing the same Crazy things in their lives, you have this camaraderie. So, some of my best friends to this day are people I was journeyman with.
0: And was he committed to lifelong
1: missions also? He was. So, that was something different about him than other people. Other people were committed to the two years, but had no idea what would happen after that. And that's totally fine. But for me, I turned 27 during our training, I was the oldest journeyman. I feel like they respected me because I was the oldest journeyman, but they also poked fun a little bit. I saw in my husband, my now husband, this difference of perspective. I was long-term perspective, but I didn't know that that was something that anyone else had. I think there was at least 40 journeymen in my training. So we had a big group.
0: We oh, you had a huge group.
1: Yeah, and we were able to hang out and talk about where we were going. It was so encouraging. And then just as we got to know each other more, I realized his discussions were in line with what I was thinking. And he asked for my opinion about things, and he respected my opinion. And I know everyone has this idea about, like, women prefer being loved men prefer being respected i am like the one maybe not just the one but i'm the different one i really enjoy being respected so he just showed me a lot of concern and respect and wanted to know my opinion on these really deep issues that we were talking about cuz you talk about some deep things in training and you know theory of how to do things but you haven't mm-hmm. actually done it so it's just a very good time. We were definitely committed to our two years, also thinking long term. Mm -hmm. So there was no rush to make anything happen with us at the time.
0: I'm pretty sure you can't as a journeyman. That's a pretty big rule.
1: Yeah. And the reason why is because your affections are divided. So one thing that I think we were really on the same page with, and we talked with our supervisors and we Made sure everyone was aware. We were committed to those two years and focused. And then whatever happened after that was up to the Lord. He had the same perspective as me on those kind of things. And I just, I felt like God has a sense of humor because He told me to give up that. Uh, That's what I thought. You know, you have to give that up in order to do missions. Not very long after that, I met my husband, (laughs) or who would be my husband? I didn't know at the time. It's such a blessing. He's my husband and my coworker and my teammate. And I think we work really well together.
0: Well, I think for any of us, God wants us to give up whatever would be between us and him.
1: Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest difference I noticed versus people I had dated before and my now husband before my Attention and affections were all taken up by the the people or the, the guys that I dated. But when I met my now husband, I was still in that peaceful feeling. So mm-hmm. I made that decision. I was at peace. And the Lord was primary the whole time. Still, still is, obviously. My husband never asked for more affection from me than was appropriate or even just good for us. As we got to know each other, He always pointed me towards the Lord, but I didn't need to be pointed towards the Lord because I was still focused on the Lord and what He wanted me to do. If that hadn't happened, and I had gotten married without this decision to follow the Lord wherever, whatever, and whenever then I don't know that I would have had a good marriage or had a good life after that because my decision would have been to choose something else or to focus on something else. It's never been that way with my husband and with our life now. It's always been focused on God. It's just, it's such a difference. I don't know how to describe it. I hope it's encouraging to younger women who are listening to this, because you can get there. It might seem like you're never going to get there, but if you're just following the Lord, He brings into your life the right things. You don't have to strive for them. You don't have to search and change yourself in order to find that. And it may be marriage, or it may be not. Who knows? My treasure became Jesus. And then everything else seemed to fit and to fall into place.
0: I want to go back to the point you made. It's critical to align your loyalties to Christ first.
1: And that was the biggest difference in my life before and my life now. Tell us a little bit about where you're serving now. We serve in the Asia Pacific Rim, and we serve in a very diverse place. So there are many different types of people many different religions we do focus our efforts on reaching an unreached people group in that country and are just always looking around us to see as we go to the store or as i walk around my neighborhood who is willing to talk and who wants to talk about jesus so that could be from any religious background
0: what has been one of the hardest things you've had to do When you're walking through that season, you're thinking, hmm, I didn't see this coming. This is harder than
1: I imagined it would be. Yes, there's a long list of hard, I think. (laughs) Probably what most people would think, like getting used to a certain type of food or learning language, those things are all exciting to me. Yeah, and you've been all over the world already, so you've already experienced that. And language learning is hard, I will say, but I really enjoy it, and I think I'm like wired that way a little bit because I like languages. Um, The hardest thing, two things, if I can narrow them down to two. One is there's such depth to cultural understanding that I don't know that we ever make it to this place where we know exactly what to do at exactly the right time culture and the way people interact with each other is so complex that I find myself worrying if I've done it the right way because I don't know because I'm not from that culture. And it can breed anxiety and can also make you angry at the culture, like if you're not feeling like you're doing it right and you're hitting barriers all the time. And I think it can also become like a God. As a missionary, you go in and you give all that you have to learning language, learning how to share the gospel culturally appropriately. And that takes a lot of your energy and time and effort And you're always trying to give of yourself to where you get to a point where if it's not working, or if it doesn't seem like it's working, you want to give up, then swing the pendulum too far to self-care. Self-care is a big thing these days. I think it can be dangerous as well. So you're in this tension between going all in and getting out there. and making sure you're saving time to go to the Lord and to be in prayer in His Word and to fill yourself up with the identity that you have in Christ so that your identity is not in your success with language or with someone coming to faith or with someone who has come to faith following in the footsteps of Jesus. I would have said discipleship is the hardest thing, but I think it's deeper than that. I think the weight that we put on our jobs as missionaries, and even the weight that we put on other people, like my friends who are lost, they're not just my friends. They're my friends. They're my job. They're my ministry. They're what God has called me to. They're all of those things wrapped up into one. And so you can really put pressure. On yourself and other relationships to make it work or to have success. And then you get really burnt out.
0: Good time to remember the example of Adnarm Judson, who worked yes. seven years before there was one convert. Right. And by today's standards, we would consider him a failure. But yet, the legacy he has left in modern yes. day Burma, which is now Myanmar, to and continues.
1: And where we live, the work is slow. It is extremely slow. And the people that we're trying to reach out to have a lot of pride in their faithfulness to their religion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of that's good. And then um, the other part is not so good. It's hard. And we put a lot of pressure on the way we do things and if we're being successful Rather than, are we being faithful? Together, my husband and I have been in the country we're in for four years. We've seen three people come to faith. And that is miraculous. There have been people who live in the same city as me, have lived there for 20-something years, and have yet to see more than one person At a time, and then even those people can can probably count on one hand. It's a slow, slow work with the people that we're reaching. And it seems also like whenever we do have some believers, Satan just attacks them viciously, especially if they try to meet together. And it's not just what you would think of like maybe people seeing them meet together, because that is an issue, but it's within their group. Unity and love and forgiveness, it's all just hard and messy. So I think defining success based off of how things are going or how a person is doing, how you lead someone to faith, how they're doing in discipleship, oh, it's a recipe for a disaster for you. It just drives you crazy. There's not a lot of progress. And so I can't imagine what Adoniram Judson felt for seven years, but I'm starting to, you know, and it's hard.
0: That helps us know how to pray for you and pray for your husband and pray for hundreds of units like you.
1: All around the world, I think people have that issue of things are hard and slow and measuring progress or success just gets you into a depressive hole, I think. The other hardest thing is very unique to me probably this year, but I think other people deal with it a lot is I lost my father last December. He got really sick all of a sudden and within two weeks was gone and turned out to be cancer, not COVID, which is, you know, a lot of people have had to Mm -hmm. deal with that. In the midst of all of that, I was dealing with some really tough discipleship relationships. Some that were kind of turning on us in a way, even though I felt like we had, you know, done everything we could to serve them and everything we could to teach them. But just, I think we were being slandered and not to any other people, but just like directly back to us. And it was super hard. So in this time where my dad gets sick, I am like hundreds of miles away from my family. And I'm thinking, and this is what I have to show for it. These, you know, this tough discipleship, not many people coming to faith. It's a hard place to live. So I'm giving up being close to my family. and. I didn't see my dad before he passed away, so I gave that up in order to do this thing that God had called me to do. And I was thinking, is this really worth it?
0: I was about to say, it would be so easy at that point to pack it in. You know, God, I followed you. I gave it my best try. And
1: now here, you're taking my dad. I just want to go home. Yeah. and, And nothing's happening here or even worse than nothing happening. Like everything's falling apart is very hard. There's something that we ask people from our people group when they say they want to follow Jesus. It is a series of questions of, are you willing? And it goes along with what they will likely face if they do choose to follow Jesus. And it's, are you willing to lose your job? Are you willing to lose your privileged status in your country? Are you willing to lose your family? Are you willing to be physically beaten or taken to jail? And are you willing to die for your faith? The last one doesn't happen often, but could. And I was thinking, in this time when my dad was sick and all this stuff was going on, and I was thinking, you know, I don't have to answer those questions. They don't really relate to me because of where I'm from. I don't have to ask that of myself in order to make that first decision to follow Jesus. What do I have to ask myself? And in that moment, God said to me, are you willing to be slandered? Are you willing? Are you willing not to say goodbye to your dad? Are you willing to be away? From your family and miss all of the things that other people get to do, like go to the football game or have the birthday party, or even meet a baby when he's born. Are you willing to do all of that? And the question of is it worth it became is Jesus worth it? And that is kind of our family motto. And it has been for a long time, but it didn't really sink in, I think, until that moment when I kind of knew that I wasn't going to make it home in time to see my dad. I had to ask myself, is Jesus worth it? And you know the answer to that question? None of us who are believers can say no to that question. So, in all of the hard and all of the frustrations, and even just, you know, when you're sad and you miss things, the question of is Jesus worth it keeps you going. And it keeps you on your knees when things are hard. And it gives you joy when things are falling apart. And now I've been in the States. For almost a year. We can't get back in right now. I've been with my family for a year, not exactly the way I had planned, but now I'm looking at we have to go back. And when I first heard that our country would probably be opening up soon, we were excited. We were like, oh, finally, you know, we can go back and do our job. But then thinking about it, I thought, oh, man what if I don't see my mom again? What if I don't see my sister again? Because it's a reality now for me that wasn't there before. And I just have to keep asking, is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus calling me to do this? And if so, is he worthy of me doing it? And that keeps you getting on the plane. No amount of liking the food or liking to learn language or loving your teammates or Loving your cat that you left behind or something, no amount of those things will get you on the plane and will keep you. They might get you on the plane, but not joyfully. Asking yourself, is Jesus worth it? Even if you're crying and saying yes, like I'm doing right now, then you can get on the plane with joy. You can step back into that world with joy and do the job he's called you to do with joy. Well,
0: really, for Christ followers, if we truly are Christ followers, that is always the question, whether it's here or where you serve. And the question that you asked, the quote that solidified your call, God doesn't want our excuses. He wants our obedience. We have to fight that no matter which side of the hemisphere we live on. And we need to be willing to ask the same tough question, is Jesus worth it? And if he is, we have no choice but to do whatever he asks.
1: And that could even be something as small as, is Jesus worth it for me to be kind to this person who's not being kind to me? If you start asking yourself for you know, those small things, you're like, wow. It changes your perspective. It, it does. So yeah, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, is Jesus worth it?
0: Well, Harper, I'm so grateful you would take time to share with me today. Well,
1: thank you. I didn't know we were going to have a a cry (laughs) therapy session, but it's great. It was
0: great, and it's going to touch lots that hear what you have to say. And so thank you for being willing to share it.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: The latest IMB Global Impact Guide says, We rejoice with those who have said yes to the sacred task and are harvesting in the fields. We celebrate the significant impact our missionaries are making in getting the gospel to the nations. We rejoice in the fruit of their labor. We thank God for His work in difficult places. Today you have heard firsthand how difficult the work is, and it does not come without incredible sacrifice. That's what it will take for a multitude from every nation, tribe, people and language to stand before the throne and before the lamb. Thank you for listening.